Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today, we are going in the bag. That means it's our mailbag show, folks. We're reading all of the letters you guys have sent, answering questions, and uh, chopping it up. And also joining us, we have a very special guest. That's right. It's little baby Sean. That's right. Sean's little baby. He's sitting right here with us. So you might hear him chime in. He might have a few answers and just, you know, listen and try to understand his little baby language. So let's get on in this mailbag. Dion, why don't you uh, read the first letter? So we're going in the bag and actually we're heading out to Charlotte, North Carolina. This question's coming from Mover and Shaker. They're saying, what were you talking about and how do I get in on the financial opportunities you were discussing for PPE work on your show with the borough president? Well, that's a very interesting question. At the end of the day, it's a government contract. And in, in these times, um, government contracts during like, you know, a quote unquote, this is almost like wartime. So the vetting process is not as strict as it would normally be because the demand is so high and the government needs to satisfy these PPA demands. But I would start off with just contacting your local government agency, networking, finding out companies that in your area that do have PPE contracts, asking them what they do and how they got it. Because I think there's no one true route. You know, it's really about rolling up your sleeves and doing research. And I'd also suggest maybe starting off working for one of these agencies that do have a contract and seeing how it goes from there. And then after that, if it's something that you think you can handle, and then branching off. Nice, nice, nice. All right, we're going up north, people. We're going to talk to, we're actually going to answer a question from Shane in Toronto. The T-Dot? Said, the T-Dot, the six is in the house. <laughs> uh, and he said, is gigging going to become an even larger part of the work economy as unemployment rises? As a member of the gig economy, I would, I thought, you said opinion, the gig. I thought the gig economy, you remember the gig economy or the gig economy? Well, if it was the, if it was the geek, if it was the geek economy, that would be for you, Sean. But for the gig economy, <laughs> I cracked myself up. Anyway, gigging, <laughs> the gigging economy, I do think it's going to continue to blow up because of 
the working from home because of just the, the changing structure of work. I think if you have the type of, if you're working in an environment where you can work isolated in your own silo, work from home, like I think basically gigging is going to, is going to continue to grow. So those folks I think are in a good space. Well, yeah. And I just think that was some facts there, Maddie, Matt, um, there was a, a time magazine article and um, they were talking about what we actually, you know, we're talking about a few different, three different company, you know, um, gigging platforms and to see the kind of applicants, the increase in applicants they got uh, just in the month of April alone. So Upwork, you may have heard of them. They saw a 50% increase in their freelancer signups since the pan pandemic began. Um, TalkDesk, that's a consumer service uh, provider. Um, they launched a gig economy platform and got 10,000 new applicants in 10 days. And Instacart, they actually hired 300,000 additional workers in a month. Uh, and that was in late April. So, yeah, it's, it's blowing up. Random, off topic, but Instacart, if I'm not mistaken, my, my cousins were working for Instacart. They got, they got gypped. They, they were doing some work for them and people would, would put tips in. Uh -huh. And then before they finished the process, they would delete the tip. Like people were getting, like the workers were getting, if I'm, I, 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 yeah, there was some, there's some scam with the tipping. <laughs> Hope they got that resolved. Anyway. Well, I would yeah, say this too. These millennials are just anti-establishment. You know, if they don't have a pool table, swimming pool, you know, coffee machines in every corner, they're, they're just not taking the job. So they need some gig-like environment to be, can feel like they're, this job is for them. So I would think gigging is going to be here for a, for, for a hot little minute until this millennial thing, if it ever fades out, but they're just anti-establishment. All right. All so right. back back okay. to the bag. Back to the bag, people. We're actually going to um, the West Coast. So <laughs> Debbie from <laughs> West Coast. <laughs> We've got something for everyone. Um, she actually just simply said, do you see a recession or worse coming in the near future? Well, we, in I'll, we well, I'll say this. Um, it's interesting to see. Uh, they actually um, did a did a, a poll of 28 institutions. Um, and in that survey, they saw such a widespread um, in terms of predictions, you know, so. They, uh, one um, organization basically said it was very pessimistic. They saw a contraction of, of 65%, whereas another organization said they only saw the economy contracting by 8.2%. 8 so it's still actually really hard to tell where we're going to end up. Um, they went as far as, you know, if in, in the fourth quarter, although, you know, economists projected growth, there's still some forecasts ranging from uh, increase of 1.1% to a increase of 70%. So it's still, the, the verdict is still out. And that was according to the Harvard Business Review. Um, well, know. just for the record though, and I, I guess I'll need to check this. I don't know, fact check this, but aren't we in the middle, in the midst of a recession? Like, aren't we currently recessing? <laughs> that we are, my friend. Friend, we're like my we're like my hairline. We're recession right now, boy. <laughs> oh! <laughs> so maybe, I mean, maybe uh, uh, until we know. find a cure, bro, it's going back and back and back. Yeah, we are. You know, so the, maybe, I can I I give the government uh, kudos. They 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 kind of 
they didn't make it as worse as it could possibly get by all these stimulus that they've been doing. So I have to give them credit for that. But yes, we are in a recession and, you know, I'm hoping we'll be able to climb out of it. And it's a, it's a global recession, not just well, the U.S. Debbie, business. Maybe Debbie and Cali is, is doing okay right now. So kudos to you. Hopefully you are. But um, or maybe she wants to know how long this is. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm just trying to read through the question here. Maybe it's a, how long will this last? But yeah, we are definitely in the midst. Of, uh, do we see a recession coming or worse? Yes. <laughs> Short answer. Yes. Thank you, Maddie. Matt, Sean, Linda. Uh, now we have a question from Jack uh, from the ATL. He said, how can I get better credit Dirty. card opportunities? Well, you know, the internet is your friend. You can always just Google best credit cards out there and it'll show you the top, the, the best deals out there. And, and that's a personal thing. Like I always say when choosing credit cards, because when you, a credit card deal may be a good deal for me, but then it may not be for you. For example, I like, I did like to travel until this pandemic hit. So I'm always looking for cards with great reward benefits, but then you may be looking for cards. If you're a student, like that has a, a great cashback component to it, or that offers certain discounts at certain things. So you got to kind of figure out what, what you're looking for in a card, and then, you know, good old Google works. Also, with this question, it's, it's kind of vague in terms of how can I get better credit card opportunities. Well, Sean, what if, he, what if he's looking for lower interest rates? Like, let's say he's had credit challenges. Are there tips on how to get cards with better rates? Um, once again, you Google, and you can Google, like, lowest interest rates, best teaser rates, and they'll show you a list of what's available. And if you have an existing credit card, too, you can also call your credit card company and I've done it before and asked them, hey, are there any good, do you guys have any good promotions happening going on that I can take advantage of? And I've switched like under America Express from their blue card to their simple, simply cashback card or their gold card, depending on what um, offers are out there. Well, I would also just suggest piggybacking on your point is that with the internet being your friend, a lot of times when you search for things or like if you're, say, uh, on something like a credit karma or if you're on the nerd wallet, if you search, for those things like best credit or interest rates or, or best credit cards, they're going to start coming at you with offers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then if we had to go deeper to this into this question, how can I get better credit card opportunities is by continuing to, you know, improve your credit score at the end of the day, paying on time, number one, paying on time, keep your utilization rate less than 30% and you'll see them flow in. Hey, y'all, this is from Shanene. She said, here again, learn my lesson. So I'll keep it, I'll keep this one short and sweet, she said. So piggybacking off the Time Machine episode, uh, which three books related to building and maintaining wealth would you recommend to your younger self? Shanene. Well, of course, Dion, I have to go with the classic, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'd also then go to another classic, Think and Grow Rich. And then my third choice for her would be The Millionaire Next Door. But what I also suggest reading is, you know, I always say you don't have to recreate the wheel. Start, like, what helps me, and I know Arlen's and I talk about a lot, is, like, reading autobiographies of successful people. Like, you know, Steve Jobs, like, the Nike founder. You know, from their stories, you see the path to success. Um, the books I recommended to, uh, I like as well, because they give you the understanding of the wealth mindset. And that's all you're conditioning yourself for to obtain wealth. It's to really understand how the wealthy think and how they leverage things to create wealth and the, and the positive mindset you have to stay in in order to achieve it. So if you couple those books with 
some great autobiographies of successful people, not just successful in wealth, just successful in life, I think you'll have a good understanding of how to create your path because every path is different. So trying to mimic somebody else's path is not the right thing to do. It's just taking bits and pieces from their path and then applying it to your life. Sinead, I want to add a couple specifically for women. Um, one is um, Sacred Success by Barbara Stanny. That's a really good book. Um, and one other, not just really if you want to get to the underlying um, sort of what's been running your, your money stories, your money habits to really start creating um, uh, the wealth mindset. It's um, by Cara Stevens and it's called Heal Your Relationship with Money. And these are just a couple of books specifically for, for women when it comes to creating wealth. You know, just to even piggyback, um, get back to what I was saying about the three books, why I chose them, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, really, you know, unfortunately my parents weren't into real estate and Rich Dad, Poor Dad really introduced me to real estate and kind of how, you know, the rich, the, 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 and how the rich think versus how the not so rich think. And it really was able to decipher the two for me. And then the other books just kind of piggybacked off that and gave me the momentum to, to realize, you know, how to obtain wealth. Because when I was young, I just knew I wanted to be rich, but I really didn't know how to get there. And these books just kind of set that foundation for me. And that's why I recommend those books. And then the autobiographies just inspire me. Nice, nice. Okay, there's another one here for you, Sean. Uh, they said... Um, so by next year, I think I'll have the credit score I'm looking for, and I want to start my transition into real estate. So perfect segue. When it's time to get a loan from the bank, what should I use as leverage if I don't own any valuable assets? What, well, you know, to answer that, you know, what the bank is looking for is stability and the likelihood that you'll pay them back the loan. And it starts with your credit history. Your credit history is your resume. You know, and that's simply paying your bills on time. I can't even stress that enough how important that is. And if you don't have much credit history, I suggest getting a credit card from the bank that you're looking to borrow from and actively using that card and paying it off in full every month. Uh, use it more than your ATM. Use it more than cash. Also understand that uh, the bank will, might require or the bank will require a down payment that can range from as low as 5% to 20% down. Exactly. So if you have your down payment and you have credit history, then that's what you'll need to get your first piece of property. There you have it. Maddie, Matt, we got to pay some bills? Absolutely, D. We definitely need to take a quick break, pay some bills. So you guys keep it locked and we'll be right back more with this mailbag. We're in the bag on Two Black Guys with Good Credit. Keep it locked. Two Black Guys with Good Credit. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today, we are in the bag, the mailbag, that is. We're reading your viewer mail, or, I'm sorry, your listener mail, and we are answering your questions, shopping it up. So, Dion, let's get back in that bag. Let's get in this bag. So, this, this listener saw an IG post um, around the biggest transfer of wealth in U.S. history has now begun. Uh, that was on April 17th. And uh, they want to know, basically, uh, if you could explain baby boomers, right, they hold the majority of wealth, 50% uh, of the wealth, that is, of assets, and millennials own 3%. And Sean is actually, we have a baby boomer on the panel. Sean, you're a baby boomer, correct? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, I think there's, just, there's so many, there's so many um, 
conversation around it. I even think we should do a separate show just on it. They suggested us that as well, that we do a separate show, please, on this as well. That was one of the other comments I got on this. Because I think it's very interesting. Because as people know, the baby boomers, um, every day, 10,000 baby boomers are turning 65 years of age. And they own the majority of the wealth. The millennials don't want to own anything. So they only own 3% of the wealth that Dion just suggested. But what's going to happen, these baby boomers are going to pass this wealth on to their children. So what are they going to do with it? Like, are they going to buy real estate? Are they going to do dot com? And that's the thing when the wealth is going to transfer. Where is it going to go? Are they going to do traditional banking with it? You know, how is it going to shape the economy that when these millennials get this money from the baby boomers? And also another part of it is this pandemic and what I would quote unquote, like I said before, like in almost times of war, like these government contracts, I've heard there's $21 million contracts, $48 million contracts to people that never had this kind of money. Once again, that's another transfer of wealth. You know, what is going to happen with these people that get this money? How are they going to spend it? What are they going to do? With it? How is it going to shape the world or the U.S.? So all these things to me is like a transfer of wealth. And it's going from one hand to the other hand. And it's going to be interesting to see how the world adopts and changes to this. And just to put things into perspective, our baby boomers have done well. So the average net worth of a baby boomer, uh, and, and actually I should say in America, is $1.2 million. Yeah, I mean, they had, they had great times because they were all part of, from I think the baby boomer range from 1946 to, oops, there's little Sean. Hold on, time out. He, it's okay. right on cue. We're talking about baby boomers. So he, the baby, yeah. you know, you see that? Baby yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I think, you know, they were born in just a great time. From The baby boomers are from 1946 to 1964, argumentatively. And this is post-war. So that, like I mentioned earlier, with all these government contracts, they were able to get all this, these contracts with all this government work during wartime. Then they had, then, yeah, college tuition was cheap. So they weren't having these big student loan debt that these millennials have today. I mean, it was not a fair playing field. So they real didn't pay much for college. Real estate was cheap. And now their real estate is worth millions of dollars for a lot of them. And then they are part of this whole 90s.com thing. So they've had so many injections to earn wealth that um, this is why they have such a high net worth. And then the millennials are just paying the price for it all now, unfortunately. Well, timing's everything. Um, so now we're going to head over to Chicago. Uh, it's a, a business owner and mother of three. She said, I received a stimulus uh, and over $40,000 in both economic relief and PPP monies. Uh, fortunately, I only need to use half of it to keep my business afloat. How do you suggest I invest it? Well, just to a disclaimer, two black guys with good credit is not encouraging anybody to abuse government funding money. Okay. For the record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would suggest, you know, that you invested in um, something with, um, with minimal risk and, you know, and draw from it, like a high yield savings account, um, maybe a CD. I would not, you know, I've already read a number of cases where I remember one gentleman who I will not name, a rapper, bought like a gold watch or some he bling stuff with it and they charged him. So, you know, the, the big brother is watching over you and I would not try to misuse the funds. I would use it towards my business. But if you don't need it immediately, I would put it in something that's earning a little higher interest rate than your checking or savings account and just draw down from it on a, however, when, when needed. So just so I'm clear and understanding buying that, that diamond gold uh, chain and, and, and the, the, the Bentley <laughs> is not yes. recommended. Those grill teeth I told you to buy Matt, that you wanted me to, you were trying to convince me that you could buy and how you could work it into your stimulus program. Nah, you don't buy them grill teeth. 
All right, copy that. Thank you. Thank you for that. That was a that was a near miss. Um, and then we've got Cindy in Detroit, Michigan. She said, "Are you worried about inflation?" Okay, Dion. So Cindy's worried or asking if we sh if we're worried about inflation. I would say short answer, yes. Uh, there's definitely some concern, but I'm not paranoid or overly worried about it. But when you look at the state of the economy right now, all the money that's being pumped in uh, for stimulus and just to help stabilize uh, the country and the world, like I definitely think that there's going to be some inflation and some ramifications to all this money. So, Sean, what do you think? Yeah, and I think there's ways in which you can protect yourself. And what you're when I say protect yourself, it, oh, oh, here goes little Sean. All right. Okay, 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 okay. Oh no. Chase is supposed to be watching him, but obviously we're more countdown. Clearly the baby is also concerned about inflation. Let's ask baby Sean his opinion. He doesn't so like inflation. <laughs> so there are like ways in which you can protect yourself. And really what you're trying to do is keep up, it's like a race, keep up with the rate of inflation so that a dollar today is worth the same thing as a dollar tomorrow, regardless of what happens in this economy. And one of the things you can do is you can buy bonds. Okay, bonds is a great way to safeguard yourself, safeguard yourself against inflation. Another one is, is what Arlington loves to talk about is having stocks in your portfolio. Because these things, in and, and, and normal cases, can outperform the rate of inflation. And then I'd also say you can buy natural resources and commodities like gold, silver, those type of things. And then my favorite, Maddie Matt, buy real estate. And, <laughs> and then the final suggestion I would have is um, when you um, get expenses, like when you get a car loan, when you get a mortgage, try to get things with a fixed rate of interest so that regardless of what happens in the economy, you know your payment and what it is, and it's going to be stayed fixed at that regardless of what changes happen in the economy. Great advice, gentlemen. All right. Lisa in Los Angeles, she'd like to know, she said, my question is about car leasing versus used car purchasing. She said, my credit was bad in the 500s. I've been building it up. Now it's at 650. Way to go, Lisa. She said, I know buying a new car is buying a depreciating asset. So someone was listening to our show. But what do you think is a better value and better for my credit between leasing a car and buying a used one? Okay, Lisa in Los Angeles. First off, kudos to you for building up the credit score. Uh, I think it's a, an interesting question because, like, like the question states, buying a, a new car, you know, you're, you're losing a whole lot of value when you drive it off the lot. But buying a, a used car, depending upon the budget range you're in, I mean, that, there could be, that could be a better buy for you because then once you pay it off, you actually own an asset. Buying that used car and continuing the credit score and owning that could be a better buy for you. So I definitely would look into that and consider the used car purchase uh, as opposed to just leasing where you're not going to own anything. Obviously, you there's value in the, the new car or the different cars, but I would, I would recommend that you consider that used car purchase. Okay. Yeah. As a producer, I will step in for Sean since he's dealing with baby Sean and I'm the king of leasing. I think leasing a car is always a great option. You're at 650, so you're going to get dinged a little bit in your purchase, and you might end up with a slightly higher interest rate. I think based on your score and the fact that you're looking at a used vehicle, I would say just buy a used car because it's a one-time payment. Find something good that can carry you, and then once your credit score gets up higher, dump that, 
use the money and put it down on a lease where you'll get a better deal. All right. Thank you, King of Leasing. King O Leasing. Just <laughs> chiming in. Thanks, Arlington. <laughs> Producer out. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, going back in the bag. Sydney in New Jersey. She said, I've been thinking about buying stocks, but I hadn't done it. I've stayed on the sidelines out of fear. You're not alone. But I finally jumped in and opened up an account on an online investing site. I made an initial, an initial deposit of $500 into my account, and now I'm trying to figure out how to pick a stock and how to pick an industry to invest in. Can you recommend a good beginner's resource for picking stocks? Uh, well, I think that's you know, another great question, and, and kudos to you, Sydney, for getting in the game. Um, I would say some of the some of the um, resources that Dion that you mentioned a lot, like Nerd Wallet, or there's there's things there's online services you can go to to research how to how to learn how to buy a stock or, or uh, researching stocks. You can go on Yahoo; they have a stock tracker where you can do almost like a not almost you can you can fantasy invest in stock and see how those stocks perform. But like, I would definitely recommend NerdWallet. I think that's a great resource. They have a bunch of articles that will tell you um, how to do a lot of things related to finance. Yes, um, Morning Stars, another good one. Um, there's actually a woman called the Stock Whisperer. Definitely check that out as well. Those are another. Those are another couple of good resources for you. Thank you for that one, um, Sydney. And then I think this, yeah, we're rounding it out here. This is our last question of the mailbag. So we're going in and we're going in to one of Sean's favorite areas. So Carl is confused about home buying. He said, hey, two black guys, I know you guys are big on real estate. No kidding. But I spoke to a financial advisor and he told me buying a home is usually a terrible investment. Because at the end of the day, owning a home takes money out of your pocket. You're paying property tax, you're paying maintenance, you're paying insurance. There are all of these other things that happen with your home and that you've got to pay for. And over time, your, your home might increase in value, but if it probably won't appreciate enough to offset all the costs. Instead, if you took what you'd save from not buying a house and invested it, you'd end up with more money in the long term. What do you think about his opinion? opinion on home buying wow well Sean, I, mean, I gotta set i gotta set this one off i mean i study people try to i think analysis paralysis and you know a guy told me one thing there's not much you can do with a rent receipt except wipe your beep with it so if you're comparing it to paying rent and paying off somebody else's mortgage i would say why not pay off yours and maybe it may not do well for you and your in your lifetime but if you pay it off the next generation will be able to take advantage of it I haven't seen a well, next generation well, get upset. Well, hold on, hold, hold, hold on, Sean. Let's take our little edge off. He, he didn't say comparing owning a home to renting. He's comparing it to investing in the stock market. So let's at least let's at least honor his question and not don't divert just because you have your. We know you love rent real estate, but let's address his question. Way to reel him in there, Maddie Matt. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is that if he doesn't. If he doesn't own a piece of real estate where he's living, he's obviously renting then, right? So I'm just trying to say that if you he, if you could rent versus own, I think it's better that he owns. That's why I brought in that part, Maddie Matt. Okay. Well, how about a producer's note? 
Matt, I'm so glad you pulled me in on oh this one. <laughs> I'm so glad. Producer note, I'd like to refer back to our show, Oh by, I believe, where Dion, the lady with the facts, proved to Sean Linda that over time, putting your money in the market long term ends up being more beneficial than owning property on average. And I know my friend Sean, he's been, he's been killing it in Brooklyn. He can't see behind, um, he can't see beyond the uh, equity, the constant equity growth. But in the rest of the country, my friend, it's a much slower process and homes typically appreciate at the rate of inflation. So what you end up getting back is what you put in over the years. But if you take that money, as Dion stated in a previous show, you end up with at least 8 to 10% on your money. That's what the market kicks back. A home is not guaranteed to do that. It can, but it's not guaranteed. Sean, I know you want to respond. Producer. <laughs> I we're, doing, we're two black guys with good credit. We're all African-Americans here. And there's people in this conversation that is- Yo, my man, I am from Toronto, Canada. My mother is from Guyana. My father is from Jamaica. I am not African-American. And if I'm mistaken, your family's from Barbados and you grew up in Ottawa, Canada. Back to discouraging our listeners not to buy real estate. I'm just sorry. I can't buy anything. That is not what he said. I'm not discouraging that. I am stating the facts. It's a fact. If you live in North Dakota, you think your house is appreciating at the rate of your home in Brooklyn? I live in Westlake. I'm the nice the hottest real estate market in the country, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. You're talking in North rosy North glasses. He's a delusional lenses, as say. Afro-Canadian black man. He's delusional. Buy real estate. Say that again. I didn't hear you. Think about the next generation, and I'm out. Sorry. Not disagree. I'm not agreeing with you guys. We can have this argument all day, all night. I'm but not it's not. But, but here's the thing. Sometimes with, with just a discussion, it's not about... It's it like you, you seem like you want to be right. You're holding as opposed to just analyzing the question. You can still want to encourage people to buy real estate. And there's plenty of value in buying and owning real estate. And you could do both. You could buy real estate and invest in the stock market. These aren't mutually exclusive things. But if his question is, and, and Arlington makes a great point, depending upon your zip code, the, the upside could be different. So if, and depending upon how much money you have to invest, it might make more sense for someone living in a less lucrative zip code to be oh, thinking yeah, about more investing. Slower. Like, I don't see, like, I, like, I don't think we need to be that adversarial about oh, real estate versus the market. I'd say people should investigate doing both and and not rule one or the other out. It, it, sh- it shouldn't, you know, that's my thought, but you yeah, hold on to your- just- he was just as salty in the taping of the show because Dion and I, if I recall correctly, were I, like, the stats say what they say. And he just kept going, I don't be, I don't, I, I don't agree. I don't agree. The facts well, there don't you lie. Have it. The facts don't lie. But I think so that, that made a great mm-hmm. recommendation. If you want to buy some property, you could still invest in the market. It's a win-win. And Sean does have a great point. You know, most people don't pass stocks along that well. But they do tend to pass property along if you can hold on to it. I'll it's give you a that. Both, a both and as opposed to an either or scenario would be the best. Yeah. Yeah. You see how Canadians can compromise, Matt? See how that, that went? I am straight American. Let's be clear. <laughs> Good to have you. 
So, Carl, I hope that answered your question. Wrapped up with a little Canadian bow. <laughs> An American and a little Kente cloth. A little Kente cloth in there, too. So we were in the bag. Hope you enjoyed that. Matt, I'm going to throw it back to you. All right. Well, thank you, Dee. Uh, and thank you to all the listeners who sent in their questions. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more In the Bag, Two Black Guys Good Credit. Keep it locked. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable today. We were in the bag answering your questions, and I hope you enjoyed it. I thought we had a lot of great questions, so thank you to all the listeners. Uh, Dion, why don't you take us home? Sure. So please keep them coming. We do this every month. So email us at tbgwgc at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Black Guys Good Credit. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review to make it easier for others to find us. And remember, the quality of your questions will determine the quality of your life. And my name is Dion Nichols, the lady with the history, the stats, and the cold hard facts. And I'm out. Wow. It's hard to follow that. So I'm just going to keep it brief. I'm Matt Smith, one half of Two Black Guys with Good Credit. And, uh... Keep those letters coming and tune in next week. And I'm out. Oh, do I have the last say? Okay, that's great. I'm Sean, the better half of two black guys with good credit. My final words is buy real estate. Say no more. Keep your money where it belongs in your damn pocket, people. And I'm out. And so is baby Sean. He's out too. (laughs) (laughs) That was so petty. The Two Black Guys with Good Credit podcast is produced by Matt Smith and Arlington Forbes. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. 
By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 